Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Amen. We'll be praying for Lynn this week. Thank you, Joey, for doing double duty this morning. I didn't know you could be in two places at one time, but you pulled it off marvelously. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you got your Bible, I want you to open up to the book of James. We are starting a new study during the summer months, and we are going to be going through the book of James this summer, which is a great uh, book of the Bible. And uh, while you're turning there, let me remind a couple of, just a couple of announcements. We have our Dominican team. We will be having lunch together after our small groups today, after church this morning, to, uh, to prepare and talk about our trip. And uh, next week, those that are going to uh, Malawi will be getting together. Uh, summer is here. Mission trips, summer camps, youth camps, vacation Bible school, tons of things happening, and, uh, and I am so excited. I'm so excited. James chapter 1, before we start reading the first few verses of chapter 1, and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we will get through the book uh, by the end of July. We're going to kind of hit the highlights. Uh, some of our small groups will be going a little bit uh, deeper uh, in these passages, which is great. Uh, I am a fan of the book of James um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, One of them probably is my personality because I like to ask the question a lot when I read God's Word, how does this apply to me today in 2021? What am I supposed to be doing after I read God's Word? How does that apply? How does it affect me? What am I supposed to be doing? And the book of James is a great book because it gives us a lot of uh, ethical instruction. Some biblical scholars kind of poke fun at Paul uh, versus James because Paul uh, was a lot of theology, which is good. Theology is good. James has some theology in it, but James leans a lot more towards uh, talking about, okay, how does it affect us? How are we supposed to live? It reminds me of a quote that I heard uh, in my uh, Bible training that uh, you don't want to be so heavenly-minded too heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And uh, I do my best as one of the pastors here who gets to preach a lot to try to break things down to help me understand, okay, how does God sort of affect me every day and not to speak at such high of a level that you tune out or you go to sleep. Theology is a good thing. Theology is a good thing. And again, James has some of that, but he's also trying to talk to us and teach us and tell us how we're supposed to live. So let's jump in with verse 1. And as you know, I'll probably stop along the way and point some things out, maybe just for me. As a reminder, James, a bondservant of God. All right, let's stop right there. A bondservant of God. That's a great introduction. When I was reading that this week, I thought, wow, what a great introduction from God's, God's Word. A bondservant. Here James is, half-brother of Jesus, writing, saying, hey, I'm, I'm a bondservant. We live in a world today, this is kind of an aside, where a lot of people who like to 
uh, write letters or preach letters uh, think of themselves more highly than they ought. The greatest compliment you could ever give a fellow believer, especially uh, a pastor, is, wow, you are a bondservant of God. That's the greatest compliment. And that's what James refers to himself. Of God and of, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is interesting because right from the get-go, he is recognizing that God and Jesus are one. I'm a bondservant of God and Jesus Christ. Then he tells us who he is writing to. He says, this is to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Now let's talk about that. Who is he writing to? Believers everywhere. 12 tribes dispersed, scattered around the region that God in his providence had scattered them around, sent them out, sometimes because of persecution, to share the light of Christ around their region, scattered it as a Jewish nation, scattered maybe as they found shelter among Gentiles who were actually more friendly to uh, Christians than the Jews. So they're scattered. We know, if you know the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God's Word, that one day they will be gathered. We are the church right now scattered, but one day Jesus will come back and there will be a gathering. Of all those that know him. So those are the people that he's writing to. And he's getting ready to tell us what are some of the things that they are facing. And some of those, if you know the book of James already, you're already ahead of me. You know what James talks about. Trials and tribulations. Anybody had a trial or tribulation this week? Can I get a witness? The rest of you are lying through your teeth, all right? Everybody in here has faced a trial or a tribulation this week. If you haven't, maybe you were asleep most of the week. Trials and tribulations come our way. That's just a part of life. What we do with them is a different situation. And a lot of times trials come. We, we might even classify the trials that come our way as, as suffering. And yet, if you read the whole, again, the whole counsel of God's Word, you'll come to the realization, as I have, that our suffering is really nothing compared to the suffering, really, of a lot of Christians in other parts of the world, who even while I'm preaching this morning, there will be countless people who will be claiming the name of Jesus, who will be killed and assassinated today because of their faith. Say, so that happens in 2021? Yeah, every day. Every day. Not in America, yet. But it happens all over the world every day. And so he's writing to these people who are experiencing troubles and afflictions and suffering. Suffering and trials can do two things. It can lead us into sin, which he's going to talk about in just a minute. Or it can lead us closer to the Savior, which is God's intention for trials. So all these things are going on, and so then he says in verse 2, let's pick back up, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's stop right there for this morning. James writing to these people, these tribes, fellow believers in Jesus, who have been encountering trials and tribulations, starts out his letter by saying this, count it all joy. You ever had somebody, maybe you're going through something, and they give you a spiritual answer, and you just kind of want to go, you ever had that happen? You're going through some trial or tribulation, well, that just must be the Lord. Might be the Lord, might be the Lord getting ready to cause me to pop you upside the face. I mean, you ever had, some of you are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. You have people give you spiritual answers sometimes that you really don't want. When you're in the midst of trials and tribulations, and James is writing to these people saying right off the bat, count it all joy. Isn't that encouraging? It is if you know what he's talking about. He's not talking about happiness. See, there's a difference between being happy and being joyful. And we have confused those two words in our society in North America. We think that God made us, and I've said this before, to be happy. God did not create you to be happy. He created you and I to be holy. And when we are holy, we will experience true joy because we will start to be like Him. So happiness is different than joy. Happiness is dependent upon my circumstances. Happiness can be no traffic on Woodruff Road. Nobody in the drive through line when I pull up to place my order. I'm the first one in line. Happiness has all kinds of different variables to it, but joy is internal. And nothing can affect our joy. And so what James is saying here is count it all joy. How can we count it all joy? Well, we have to realize joy is internal. Joy is internal. It comes from a relationship with Christ. Nobody can make you happy or make you unhappy. That's something that you and I do all by ourselves. I see fellow believers a lot of times in Crossroads, outside of Crossroads, in the community that look like sourpusses sometimes walking around. And yet the Bible tells us the reason joy is so important and the reason James says count it all joy is because the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's why he's saying, count it all joy. Joy is internal. So what can we learn then? What is James trying to say here about the testing of our faith? How can we count it all joy? What can we learn? Here's the first thing that we can learn. We can learn the result of our trials. You may want to ask the, ask the question this way. Why can we count it all joy? Well, we can count it all joy when we know what the results of trials is. When we're looking at the result of what the trials that we go through cause, it's much like the writer of Hebrews said that Jesus did. Jesus endured the cross because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's how he endured the cross. How? Because he saw the joy. He counted it all joy. He thought about the destination and the result of the cross, which was what? Salvation for you and me. So that's how we count it all joy. The result of our trials, there are a lot of the results of trials that he tells us in these verses. He says in verse 2, here's a result. He says, consider it all joy, my brothers. Some translations say my brothers, my sisters. 
Did you know that trials, one of the benefits of trials, one of the results of trials is it edifies, which is another spiritual word we don't hear a lot in the church. It edifies, it builds up brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, Jack, how does that happen? It happens when I see you or you see me going through the trials of life that come our way and we see each other responding in joy, it edifies us, it gives us encouragement to know, wow, look at what they're going through and they're still staying strong for the Lord. I see a lot of people in our church family over the last year, 14 months, two years who have been through all kinds of trials and many of you have gone through it not necessarily with a smile on your face the whole time, that's not what the Bible's saying. But you've gone through it with a steadfast joy and confidence, knowing that the result of that trial is to make you stronger. And because of that, you've edified us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't often think about that when we're going through trials, though, do we? We normally think about it when we're going through trials, especially those that are difficult, is the most popular question that's asked is, Why me, Lord? We think about individually what trials are doing to us, and James is reminding us trials also edify brothers and sisters in Christ and build up the church. That's why trials are important. Another thing that trials do, he tells us there in verse 4, it says, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith. I heard somebody say just this past week, A faith that's not tested is a faith that can't be trusted. I love that quote. That's great. Because if your faith has never been put to the test, how will you grow in your trust of the Father? You won't. You won't. That's another result of trials when they come your way. It increases your faith. It increases my faith. It makes our faith stronger. And that's the important thing about trials. The result of trials. Another result of trials, he tells us in verse 4, let endurance, faith produces endurance, and endurance has its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So trials not only work in us faith and increase our faith, they not only edify brothers and sisters in Christ, but trials will also work in us patience. Lord, give me patience, but I want it now. You ever heard that prayer? You ever prayed that prayer? Growing up, I had a lot of mentors tell me, don't ever pray for patience. Because when you pray for patience, all chaos breaks loose. Sometimes that's true. If you want to learn patience, just allow a few trials to come your way. And trials, one of the results of trials coming into our lives is they make us more patient, they cause us to persevere, and even more than that, James says, not only perseverance, but perseverance will cause us, and endurance will cause us to have a perfect result. Doesn't mean perfect and complete the way we think of the word perfect. That word means, in, those, in that context, mature and complete. So after we've abounded in all these graces that James is talking about, we have need of patience. Hebrews also says it this way in Hebrews chapter 10. Let patience have its perfect work and we shall be perfect, wanting nothing. Show me a mature Christian and I will show you a Christian who has been through trial after trial after trial. 
Likewise, show me an immature Christian and I'll show you someone who probably has had very few trials and tribulations in their life. Because according to God's word, God's word tells us when we go through trials and tribulations, they will edify believers and grow our faith and grow our patience and make us move in maturity. We'll grow in our relationship with Christ. So that's one of the great things we can learn about the testing of our faith. We can see the result of our trials. Another thing that we can see is the difference between trials and tribulations. And even, James goes on to say later in this chapter, even the difference in temptations. You see, a trial is a testing. It's like that pop quiz that you got in high school that you didn't know was showing up and landed on your desk. And you're like, oh me. Should have read that chapter. A trial is a test. A trial and tribulation are among the most important things really that exist in the world for us to grow. As a matter of fact, if we're receptive, tribulations and trials will prove every single time how spiritually deep we really are. came across this article this week as I was studying... Technology is a phenomenal thing. Looking out the window of the International Space Station, astronauts have now found time to admire and photograph tropical islands and coral reefs from an altitude of 400 kilometers above the Earth with only a digital camera as a tool. They are now possible with new technology and this new camera to make detailed measurements of the depth of water features. A new technique now developed by scientists has done that from the International Space Station using digital astronaut photography that can measure the depths of water in the reefs, even in places like northwest Hawaii. Now, I was reading that, I thought, that's amazing. The technology is amazing that something that far away can take a photo with some other technology, can measure the depth of the ocean from that far away. That's how it measures, measures depth. You know what? Trials are the way we measure our spiritual depth. And our response to those trials when they come into our life is an indicator, a measurement, to see how deep we really are spiritually. When these trials come our way, it's an opportunity really to test our faith. To see what our response is going to be. And some of these tribulations, these adversities is another word for, that the Bible uses for tribulation. A trying period in our life, that's experience that kind of rattles us a little bit. That's another way to measure what our spiritual depth is. Not to be confused, by the way, with temptation. If you keep reading this chapter, you'll get to verse 13. And James says, don't let anybody say when they're tempted, that's from God. Because God doesn't tempt people. It's another myth, another incorrect theology of the church a lot of times. Well, I was tempted by God. No, you weren't. You and I are tempted, James tells us, when we fall prey to our own selfish desires. There's a guy, most of you are too old to remember this. I barely remember a comedian named Flip Wilson who used to always say, The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. You and I have free will. And according to God's word, when we fall into temptation, not a trial or tribulation, but when we fall into temptation, we've been enticed by our own evil desires in our heart that pull us away from the Savior. Whereas 
The purpose of trials is to push us towards God and to deepen our faith. Temptation pushes us toward evil. Trials are a test that push us toward deepening our faith. You think about people in the Bible, I think about Job. The whole period of his life was full of tribulations and trials. And we know from his life and his biography and reading that book that every single trial and test that came his way, he proved himself faithful to the Lord. Even in our own lives, sometimes we see the trials and tribulations that God is allowing into our life. And we wonder sometimes, God, do you really know what you're doing? He does. He's testing you and I to see just a quick little test to see how deep we are. Let's get out the measuring stick. Measure our spiritual depth. So that's another reason, another thing that we can learn from the testing of our faith, the difference between trials and tribulations. But I love this part the best, just honestly, of this chapter. One of the other things that we can learn from the testing of our faith is the promise that God's Word says to us about trials. Because we're not left to trials and tribulations on our own. Some of us function as if that's the case. A trial or tribulation comes our way and it's just like, okay, I've got to muddle through this. That's not what God's intention is. God gives us a lot of tools to work through those trials. He gives us promises from his word. Here's a promise right here that he shares with us. He says this in verse 5. James says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about the awesome gift of prayer. The gift of prayer to communicate, to ask God, to have a conversation of God when we face these trials and tribulations to stop, to pray, to say, God, Help me, but not only the gift of prayer, but the gift of wisdom that we can get from God. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. Some translations correctly say liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask God, ask God for wisdom. He'll give it generously. I love that. Generous wisdom. Sometimes my prayer is for the removal of the affliction and the trial, not so much for the wisdom to make the right use of the trial. Because if the trial is removed, then I lose the opportunity to see how deep my faith is. If the trial is removed, I lose the opportunity to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. But oftentimes, that's my prayer. Lord, would you just get rid of this? Just take this away. And yet, James is reminding us that if we'll pray, some of the promises from God's word we have about trials, how do we get through trials, in other words? He's saying you can pray, you can ask God for wisdom. And he has wisdom liberally. What he's basically saying there, I don't don't know if you've ever had a headache before, and you go to the pharmacy, you go to Walmart, go to wherever your places where you get your your headache medicine, I, I... People, I don't understand this. Somebody tell me after the service if you know the answer. I do not understand. We have on the shelves regular strength Tylenol, extra strength Tylenol. Somebody explain this to me. If you have a headache and you're wanting to get rid of a headache, do you go get regular? I just want to get rid of 90% of the headache. I'm going to have a regular strength, please. No, you're going to ask for all of it. You're going to go give all of it to me. I want to get rid of all this headache. The flip side is true is what James is saying here. Ask God not just for a little bit of wisdom, but ask him for all wisdom. He will give it to you generously, liberally to help you face this trial. He will help you understand what this trial is about, what this test is about. But there's a, there's a key to getting that wisdom. 
James says, let him ask in faith without any doubting. In other words, the promise from God's word about trials is, ask God for wisdom. He will give as much wisdom to you as you ask for. He'll give it liberally if you believe. If you believe. That oftentimes was a condition, by the way, as you remember, especially when we went through the book of Mark. That was the condition that Christ insisted on many, many times, if not every time, when he would treat people who came to him for healing. He would often say to them, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe? I saw this quote this week. A mind that has but one single and prevailing regard to its spiritual and eternal interests. And that will keep its steady purpose on God and will grow wise by afflictions. Will also continue to be fervent in devotion and superior in all trials. What is that person saying? They're saying that the more trials you and I face and the more we overcome that, the stronger our faith muscle gets. There's another passage in Hebrews that illustrates this as if we're lifting weights. And that God puts more and more weight, more and more trials on there. And every time we push that bar, which the bar is faith, it makes us stronger, our faith muscle stronger. And we're able to encounter those trials more and more. And when God brings those trials our way, our response is like, count it all joy. Count it all joy. That's why James started this passage of Scripture saying, count it all joy. He's knowing the end result. So the promise that we have from God's Word here is He will be with us as we face these trials. He will give us the gift of prayer. He'll give us wisdom if we ask and if we believe. You know, I, I, I know we don't have to take a survey because all of us in this room are breathing this morning. But I would guess that most all of us are facing some trials today. And the question that I have to ask, even this week as I'm facing trials, is, Okay, Lord, I need to be reminded what is going to be the result of these trials. What are you trying to teach me? What can I learn? How can my faith be made stronger? How can I be more like you through this experience? Am I counting it all joy? And to count it all joy, I've got to hold on to the promises God has given me in His Word, which is the gift of prayer and the gift of wisdom that will be mine, a free gift that He gives to me if I will believe. Are you facing any trials today? The world is watching. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are watching. We're watching each other to see how we respond. If you're facing some trials today, congratulations, you're alive. Congratulations, God is putting something in your life to help grow you and to make your faith stronger. What an opportunity. We see trials as, ugh, yucky. God sees trials as, here's an opportunity for you to go deeper in your relationship with me. What a contrast in perspective. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray today, as hard as it is for me and maybe these friends in this room, I pray thanking you for the trials that you have placed into my life. Lord, I know that each friend in this room, God, we all, because we live in a fallen world, and that's part of it, but the other part is, is Lord, that you allow these trials and tribulations to come our way to deepen our faith. Please don't allow us to miss the opportunity 
to go deeper in our relationship with you. Please don't allow us, God, to miss the opportunity for our own personal reflection, Lord, as that trial comes our way, that that measurer to see how deep our spirituality is. Don't allow us to miss that opportunity because for many of us, including myself, God, oftentimes that result that I see, that spiritual depth meter that I see, much like that photograph from the International Space Station, sometimes reveals that I'm not as deep spiritually as I thought. I'm not as mature spiritually as I thought. Lord, I pray as we examine our hearts this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every person. This morning as you're praying, we're going to end our service a little different today. Some of us are facing some trials where we feel like they are just about to crush us. But the promise of God's word is, is that he's there. He knows what's going on. He's given you and I the gift of prayer, the gift of wisdom, the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ, the gift of faith. So many gifts that he's given us to face the trials of life that come our way. And today, dear friend, dear Crossroads family member, if you'd say, you know what, wow, I know all that, but the trials I'm facing right now seem just insurmountable. If that's you today and you just say, you know what, I just need a special word of prayer today for me and my circumstances. God, God knows. God knows. If that's you, could I just ask you, not, not that my prayer is anything special other than my prayers to the one who is special and who can meet every, our every need. But can I just ask you really as a as a sign of your dependence on God, if that's you today and you just say, you know what, I have some trials that are just, I, I need the wisdom of God. Would you just stand quietly to your feet so I can pray for you today? You say, I need, the God, I need the wisdom of God today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these friends who are standing. I'm thankful that the God of the universe knows every single detail of the trials that these friends are facing today. And right now, Lord Jesus, we call upon you. We thank you for the incredible gift of prayer. Right now, Lord Jesus, we call on you. According to your word, we ask you, God, to honor your word as you always do. And I pray for these friends right now in the name of Jesus that you would give them liberally all wisdom to face the trial that they're facing right now. Not knowledge, not human understanding, but the wisdom of God Almighty right now. Lord, I pray that you would impart with that wisdom also, Lord, the ability to use that wisdom. Thank you for that gift of prayer and the gift of wisdom. Thank you that you give us generously. And James goes on to say, Lord, that we know when we've received that wisdom, that gift, that it's from you because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. 
So thank you for that wisdom today. Thank you, Lord. Meet the needs of these friends that are standing today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.